Weekly You Demon. A Catholic guy's perspective on everything that matters. Culture, society, drinking, philosophy, religion, even politics. Enjoy. So what is that Twitter imp up to? It's a piece I wrote in earlier January talk about Jack Dorsey and Twitter banning President Trump and then some odd things he tweeted after Twitter and Amazon teamed up to kill like right-wing dissent on the internet to choke out free speech and the subtitle of this article is is, is Jack Dorsey looking to a Bitcoin internet model and this fascinates me because if you know anything about bitcoin you know it's libertarian to the core i guess i don't know if its founders are libertarian but i'm pretty sure they are i heard them interviewed on econ talk which is a definitely a laissez-faire type podcast with russell roberts that was years ago back when i should have bought bitcoin (laughs) i could have gotten it for like a buck a share buck a share buck a coin you know, I always tell myself I would have been a millionaire if I just put a hundred bucks into it. I would have had millions and millions, but that's not true because if I bought it for a buck, as soon as it went to five bucks, I would have cashed in. <laughs> anyway, I'll be honest. I wasn't much big by. I'll be honest. I wasn't much bugged by Twitter deplatforming President Trump. I didn't think it was cool, and it bothered me that a company displayed such brazen freaking arrogance. But I agree with ACLU's ultra-liberal Ira Glasser, who said a president always has plenty of speaking outlets. I tend to agree with that, and I do not like Ira Glasser. The ACLU used to have some intellectual integrity. I mean, it was all about free speech all the time, but under Glasser, this kind of went, became a hard left liberal type outfit. It's always kind of liberal, don't get me wrong, but then they start getting into like abortion and all sorts of other stuff. I can't remember now the details, but I was like, Chief so Pete, H2U, I used to half despise you, half respect you. <laughs> but under Glasser, it's like, yeah, you just became all pol- politics, disarmed the Democratic Party. But anyway, I agree with Glasser on that. He was on Joe Rogan. He pointed it out and I agree with him. But I was uber bugged and Outrage when Amazon killed Parler's access to the internet altogether. And I honestly believe if antitrust laws mean anything, Amazon should be facing severe scrutiny in this regard. I mean, Twitter is one of their biggest customers. Amazon Web Services, one of the biggest customers. And here they went out and killed one of the biggest customers, biggest competitors. And Parler was killing it. I mean, they're making huge ground on Twitter. And then Amazon went off and killed it under the pretense that they were fomenting like revolution there. And by the way, I say pretense, I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know what all was going on there. All I know is those troglodytes <laughs> made to the Capitol building. Goodness gracious, if, if that was an insurrection. <laughs> I mean, that was exactly wasn't a mastermind type plot going on there. <laughs> I mean, it was almost comical in more ways than one. I'm not saying it wasn't terrifying for the people in the Capitol building. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. These people ought not be prosecuted. Nothing of those sorts. I, I'm not sure President should be in, uh, ex-president Trump should be impeached. I, I don't understand now that he's out of office, but no, no matter. That's not what this <laughs> podcast is about. So anyway, Amazon, yes, outraged by him. But Twitter, I was just annoyed 
And of course, I've long been frustrated by Twitter's ongoing and disingenuous leftist agenda. And their approach seems to be, we're just neutral content hosts. We don't favor either side, but we do enforce a certain narrative because that narrative is true. <laughs> so we block other narratives because they're false. And I actually heard the person on, on Joe Rogan again talking about, or the person who's head of Twitter curation or uh, censoring, she actually said that. It's like, well, there's certain things that are just true, like transgenderism and deadheading is a bad thing, and if you're not going to buy into that, then you're, you're wrong and we're right, and therefore we're going to knock you off our platform. And by the way, the whole concept of narrative, that is a denial of truth. Anyone who talks in terms of the narrative is saying, it's just a story you tell. It doesn't really reflect history or truth or the facts. It's just the narrative that the power structure puts out there to keep you down. That's part of the postmodernist creed. Narrative means there is no truth. It's just what the power tells you to believe. So postmodernists want to put out a counter-narrative to go against the mainstream narrative. But once you buy into the whole, into the whole concept of narrative... What you're buying into is a concept of there is no truth. It's just different powers putting forth their quote-unquote truth. So, anyway, so that Twitter, you know, buying into a narrative and saying anything else is false, therefore we suppress it, that's just ludicrous in the whole philosophical concept of narrative. Anyway, so even though I do find Twitter very frustrating, I wasn't outraged by the, by the decision. All right. Shift over to Jack Dorsey. Now, he's to blame for all this, of course, but let's acknowledge a few things. He founded Twitter 14 years ago and now has 4,600 employees and 321 million users. Let that sink in. That's shocking growth. Dorsey can't entirely control that company as a practical matter, and even as a legal matter, he's a minority shareholder. I don't know how many shares I saw. 6% and I saw 24%, but it doesn't matter. He is a minority stockholder. He is an employee although a shockingly wealthy and powerful one. Uh, we know Dorsey is presumably surrounded by leftists, just statistically speaking, being in Silicon Valley, San Francisco, California, and in that industry, he's surrounded by leftists, many of them far left. Dorsey himself was raised a Catholic. His uncle, according to Wikipedia, is still a priest in Cincinnati. We know Dorsey supported Tulsi Gabbard, probably my favorite candidate in 2020. And I don't even believe she's really pro-choice, although she is, uh, <laughs> she toes the line when it comes to voting for abortion. As a Hindu, I don't know how she can be okay killing, <laughs> killing fetuses, but not killing, say, worms in the ground. Anyway, uh, Dorsey also imported Andrew Yang, who was my second favorite candidate in 2020, even though he has that stupid universal income idea. I, I think he's a sincere guy. And apparently those are the only two people he financially supported. And the other thing we know about Dorsey is he is a huge Bitcoin fan. And that's that last point that I'm going to launch off of here. But in my opinion, I think all this points to a guy who is a libertarian who leans left, not some unhinged social justice warrior leftist. I could be wrong, but then let's look at that series of tweets he sent out a few days ago that rankled so many people. In that series, he says he felt it was necessary to ban Trump because of real public danger. I, of course, tend to disagree with them, but I don't think it's right to call him a liar over it. 
if Twitter hadn't been so dishonest in its censorship for the past couple of years, I probably would believe them. You know, but they've been so disingenuous, so I don't, I don't believe them. But no matter, we'll take, take him at his face value here. But anyway, after he defends that decision, Dorsey tweeted something really interesting. He said that he has long maintained that if people don't like Twitter's rules, they can go elsewhere. But the Amazon's decision to kill Parler, quote, challenge, unquote, this concept. So let that sink in. He says it's been his fundamental principle. Hey, you don't like Twitter? Go someplace else. So people went someplace else, and Amazon then killed them. I mean, it's like you have a storefront, and they completely <laughs> implode the building and crush everyone inside of it. <laughs> I mean, what Amazon did was awful. And Dorsey seems to know it. Take his words at face value. It means he is troubled by Amazon's decision and, in fact, might understand that it completely turns his position on its head. Now, I'd also point out, not knowing much about Dorsey, if he was complicit in that decision to kill Parler, that would probably be an antitrust violation. There could be huge damages on the line. As of this moment, though, as I'm... As I'm... Uh, reading this, doing this podcast on January 24th, I've heard nothing to indicate that Twitter had any input on that decision by Amazon. So even though I think there could be an antitrust violation out there, I'm not seeing it at this point. And I'm not seeing anything that says Twitter was complicit. And if we take Dorsey at face value, he was disturbed by Amazon's, by Amazon's decision. So, if Dorsey is, as I suspect, a closet libertarian with still a vestige of Catholic graces. He wants private companies to be able to do what they want, but in fairness, he thinks all companies should be able to do what they want, not just his. It's a variation of the silver rule, quote, do not do unto others as you would not have them do unto you, unquote. Dorsey doesn't want Twitter to be told what content to allow, and he doesn't want other companies to be told what to allow. But that's exactly what happened to Parler. And I think maybe, just maybe, Dorsey, Dorsey is rattled a bit by it. He knows it's unjust. He knows how much he would have been screwed if his host provider, Amazon Web Services apparently, um, although at the time I don't think it was, I think that's a relatively new company. Anyway, he would have been screwed if his host provider did that to him two years after launching Twitter. That's how long Parler had been around when this happened to him. He also doesn't like Twitter's decision to ban Trump. And then he goes on and says the mere fact that he felt like Twitter had to do that points to a bad social media environment. He said, quote, I feel a ban is a failure of ours ultimately to promote healthy conversation and a time for us to reflect on our operations and the environment around us, unquote. So start putting all that together. He approved the ban of Trump, but he doesn't think it's good that Twitter did it. More importantly, he doesn't think it's good that the public conversation is so unhealthy. Well, the public conversation currently means what Twitter likes. <laughs> That's the only game in town right now. Yeah, there are other small games, but they're all minor leagues. It's like, yeah, the Detroit Tigers, and then you have all these A and semi-pro baseball teams. Like, well, it's the Detroit Tigers are in game in town, really. There are, there are no other Major League Baseball teams in Detroit. The Tigers are the only Major League Baseball team in town. Twitter's the only major player in town. Now that Parler's killed. And Parler, I don't think, was there yet. It was getting there. But it wasn't. 
but he's saying that's not good. <laughs> Twitter is it. Not a good situation. And again, I could be wrong about that. But I suspect Dorsey is honestly disturbed by the absolute power Twitter now holds in the public conversation. He doesn't think it's good for Twitter. I mean, how many people hate Twitter at this point? I kind of do, although I'm trying to sympathize a little bit. And he apparently doesn't think it's good for free discourse. And if I'm right about him, and he has strong libertarian feelings, he would want to support free discourse. Now, add Bitcoin to the equation. He loves Bitcoin. He loves its decentralized format. In other words, you can almost say he loves its non-Twitter format. It's not centralized. And he thinks the internet should operate that way, decentralized. Once information flows however users want it to flow, Facebook and Twitter won't have their hegemony. They can set whatever policies they want and no one would care because information will continue to flow, just like Bitcoin has passed among whoever wants to accept and pay in Bitcoin. No one is forced to use Bitcoin, but everyone can. Which is what Dorsey, I'm guessing, wants the internet to be. Twitter is a leftist internet organization, and Dorsey wants it to remain that way. But that doesn't mean he wants it to be the only internet organization. Sure, if he could maintain that monopoly, he would have financial incentive to do so, but let's face it. The the next 24 months of hell notwithstanding, no monopoly stands for long. No monopoly has ever stood forever. They've all fallen. And not just through antitrust, by the way. Um, they've fallen of their own, their own, their own, uh, size. They just implode by themselves. So Dorsey probably knows this. He knows the Twitter monopoly will be short-lived no matter what. So he might as well start facilitating a better system, which I think he started to do with that chain of tweets. Again, I could be wrong. It's speculation. But it's corroborated by Dorsey's recent reference to a 2019 initiative launched by Twitter. Here's what he said, quote, Twitter is funding a small independent team of up to five open source architects, engineers, and designers to develop an open and decentralized standard for social media, unquote. Open, decentralized, social media. It sounds like Bitcoin social media. That'd be a great thing. I'm not applauding Dorsey at this point, but it does give me a glimmer of hope. As always, thanks for listening.